The following Mark's Daily Apple article was written by Mark Sisson and is narrated by Tina Lehman. Is embodied movement a primal key to emotional health? Women carry trauma in their hips. The stray remark got my attention, too. I was walking along the beach when I heard it. Two women, deep in conversation, had passed me. Between the waves and my dog's bark, it was the only snippet I caught. One had matter-of-factly declared it, and the other offered a knowing sigh in agreement. As a trainer, the thought jumped out at me. Not so much the gendered suggestion, I have no claim on expertise there, but the idea that emotion gets stored in our bodies and not just in our memories. All of us are, at various points in life, subject to pain, loss, and suffering, whether we contend with something as severe as trauma or something difficult but normal, like grief, anxiety, or resentment. How do unresolved emotions linger within our physiology or even particular locations or functions within it? How might these feelings that we retain act as a wild card in our overall health? Finally, in keeping with this possibility, does moving through emotional suffering oblige us, perhaps, to move bodily for healing? All of this, you could say, flies in the face of the modern cerebral perspective. Ever since the 17th century, the Western sense of true identity has been philosophically disembodied, e.g., I think, therefore I am. The mind, with its thoughts and sentiment, was separated, elevated above the baser body of instinct and machination. Increasingly, however, that disembodied assumption doesn't jibe with contemporary science. And let's face it, it never quite squared with a primal sensibility. Research into embodied cognition reveals how our bodies not only respond to our inner thoughts and outer environments, but actually have the power to steer our emotional and intellectual reactions and allow physical sensation to minor abstract concepts, e.g. a subject judging a person as warmer while he or she held a hot drink. In essence, how we move and stimulate our bodies subtly but potently influences our emotional state. Cultures that never divorced the mind from the body philosophically seem to have the advantage here. They're incidentally the wellspring of many movement-based contemplative practices, including yoga, active meditation, and many martial arts. Long before even those, however, indigenous groups participated in shamanistic ceremonies for healing. Grok didn't lie on the psychotherapist's leather couch, after all. Healing for the individual and the collective was simultaneously enacted and elicited through traditional dance and physical ritual. In that curious way, healing was performed as well as received. Fast forward to today, and even Western society has given rise to somatic therapies like Feldenkrais and the Alexander Technique which, in a simplistic nutshell, reason that errant physical alignment or movement patterns can skew our sensory perception and hamper well-being. Progressive psychotherapists have begun incorporating movement-based modalities like yoga poses within their practice. As clients talk through their wounds, they take poses to support that opening and vulnerability. The effect of emotional release, however, didn't begin in the psychotherapist's room. The heart-opening postures of yoga, as many an instructor will share, have inspired many a breakdown or breakthrough in their classes. But what about regular exercise? Can other, more basic physical activities offer a psychic release? Research is still clarifying this answer, but theoretically and anecdotally, it appears to be yes. 
We've long understood that exercise neurochemically acts on and within the brain. While studies have focused on benefits to cognition and mood, the crux here may be what happens in the moment rather than what comes afterward or builds over time. The interesting question may be, how does physical activity neurochemically allow us to engage certain brain centers or functions differently? Can exercise of a general or targeted sort create a uniquely potent window for dealing with memories and lower limbic responses? Trauma experts like Peter A. Levine note that the intensive fear of certain experiences freezes us like a wild animal caught by a predator. Vestiges of that momentary response, when severe enough, may never quite resolve. The physical cycle of fear requires processing and closure for fully normal functioning to be restored. A study of somato-emotional release within the craniosacral therapy field suggests that emotions can become locked within us. As a specialty, it offers body positions for their effective release. But the larger principle of action and release may hold, too. Movement in this way can move us emotionally as well as physically. As a trainer, I've known many people who spontaneously took up exercise of one kind or another following points of major tragedy or transition in their lives. There was something about the shift in their needs and, in their words, something to the freedom they received on a long run or challenging climb that became their best therapy. From a primal perspective, maybe for them there's something to that flow state, to the regrounding and sensation when they spend much of the day otherwise numb. Movement became the antidote to overwhelm. It's an intriguing thought. I might not be ready to call it an official primal principle, but movement for emotional health and psychological processing might just be one of the most essentially primal concepts we can enact in our lives. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.